Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that has taken the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. Big smile when you got to first base. Yes. Just what was what was that feeling like? Uh... It, it was really cool. Uh, you know, first career hit. Um, person, I mean, took a little longer than I would have hoped, but I mean, I love loved every part of it. Uh, seeing, looking up and seeing Martyr, just you know, with his the smirk he makes, uh, <laughs> you could tell something was coming out of his mouth. I didn't know what it was yet, so I think that was the smile. Uh, but just, I think the coolest part of that experience was as soon as I hit the ball, just hearing the dugout. You know, blow up. We've got a group of 40 guys that are a lot of my closest friends, and uh, it was really cool to hear that support. Yo, what is up, everybody? It's Monday night, and you know what time it is. That's right, it's time for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co host, my partner in crime, my brother from another mother, Jim Cross. And Jim, tonight is episode 10 titled Duck Behind the Dish because we're traveling out to Oregon. We got to talk to Anson Arose, the catcher for the Oregon Ducks. He's going to talk to us about his story. He's going to give us a little snippet into this season's expectations for the Ducks. But before we get to Anson, we got to hit our sponsors hard because they're the ones that help us pay the bills. The In Off the Bench Podcast Network is brought to you by Chinook Cedary. Whether in, you're on the field or in the boardroom signing deals, Chinook will help you get the job done. Memphis City Designs, get your brand's gear and logos on everything from shoes to underoos. Memphis City has you covered. Get your IOTV podcast gear while supplies last. And finally, Smith's Plumbing Services. Sink clog, drain clog, toilet clog, or anything in between. Call Dustin at Smith's Plumbing Services and tell him in off the bench sent you. I know the weather's been crazy. And Smith's Plumbing Services has been busy. I want to shout him out for all his hard work over the past couple weeks. I know the crews were delayed, but they are out and about getting it done in the Mid-South. So shout out to Dustin and Smith's Plumbing Services. Jim, speaking of getting it done, man, we got to get it done, man. Help me welcome on to the show with the biggest interview in podcasting this week, Oregon baseball star Anson Arose. Welcome in, everybody. This is a, something that's long overdue, Daniel. We are finally heading up to Eugene. We're going to talk Oregon athletics, specifically Oregon baseball. Anson, man, how you doing tonight? 
I'm doing well. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we start with icebreakers, and I'm throwing completely off because I just had an ESPN alert. So I'm going to ask you about this because I did see that you played basketball in high school. You know, uh, Joel Embiid just scored 70 points, which I find pretty fascinating. We're not talking about a guy who's shooting, you know, 10 three-pointers in a game. We're talking about a big. Like, just how impressive is it for a big man to drop 70 these days? Yeah, I mean, the game's changed. I'm not a huge uh, NBA follower. I wish I was. I love basketball. Uh, but, yeah, somebody that's not shooting it from deep, you know, you got to work for 70 points in the paint. So that's pretty impressive. Yeah, I, they dropped that stat out. When this gets over with, I'm going to see how many, like, rebounds he had. It'd be nice if he had, like, a solid 20 with it, you know, 70 and 20. It'd be really some Whoever had him in, like, some fantasy basketball, like, they raked. Yeah, they took off. But I was going to ask you about football. That, however, was planned. Have you been watching the playoffs? And if so, you got a team that you think is going to win it all? Yeah, uh, you know, Northern California bias. I, I grew up a Niners fan, uh, so I love what they're doing. Um, we've got some Packers fans on the team. So, you know, this last weekend was a good one for me and the other Niners fans, even though I'm not, again, like I'm not a super diehard fan. Uh, it's just always good to see those guys winning. Um, yeah, you know, they're who to... I've had. They're who I've had to win it. But man, uh, I didn't get to watch much of the game. But I heard Debo Samuel's hurt, and that dude's a playmaker. So um, that would kind of yeah. hinder me in thinking they might roll through everybody. Yeah, you know, hard to do anything without playmakers like that. Um, but you know, it's hard to say. It's hard to think that the Chiefs are going to lose. Um, you know, they always, as much as you want to, as as tired as you get of seeing them win. You know, they keep doing it. So. I wouldn't be surprised if we see them. Yeah, no yeah. doubt. Um, Dan, like Daniel always says, you're the champ until somebody beats you. And as of right now, that's who they are. So regardless of what they've done all season, they're here where they always are. Um, you know, want to talk to you, man, seeing the pictures of, you know, the stadium up there, snow everywhere. Obviously, Oregon's used to that. Um, we're not used to that here. Somehow we've been having single-digit temperatures, man, six inches of snow. Like, man, how do you deal with it? Because this weather ain't for me, man. Yeah, no, it's it's cold everywhere right now. Uh, we thought we were, you know, miserable here, and it seems to be a lot colder in other places. Uh, we just got out of a week-long ice storm um, that really put a hit the brakes on just about everything. You know, it's hard to practice when your field's under six inches of ice, and uh, there's there's not a whole lot of fun to be had when it's not snow. You know, snow's one thing when things are soft and, you know, it just changes the scenery. It's really fun to walk around. But when every step you take, you think you're going to fall, uh, it makes it a little bit difficult to move around. Well, I'll tell so. you something. You know, Daniel's not a big Instagram guy, but Daniel, I challenge you to go over to Instagram and look. I will tell you what Oregon did. They took advantage. You know, they got sweet uniforms and colors. They went out there in that snow, did a little did a little photo shoot. And I like that, you know, got the, got the drip, literally got the ice. So, um, you know, make, make the best of what you got, no doubt. I know the, I know the ducks ain't, ain't out there flying, though, that's for sure. Mm-hmm. All right, so let's talk music, man. Uh, you know, people always want to know, what's your favorite musician or band you'd like to listen to right now? Well, you know, who are you really vibing with? Right now, like, I've, I've got to be one of the bigger Chris Stapleton fans right now. Uh, he's just about all I've been listening to for the last couple of weeks. Uh, and I've always been a big fan of his music, but more so recently, um, when especially when I dove into picking a walk-up song uh for this year so I, I wanted to go with one country song and this summer i did a uh, second one to know which is uh in one of his newer albums was uh, he the best national anthem of all time i think so you know that's something that 
modern day, you know, is pretty up there. Um, gives you the chills listening to it. You know, and you see the emotions of the guys on the field. That was pretty crazy. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, he absolutely killed it. It's you know, people can always have debate, but I think no matter what, he's in the conversation for sure as as the best. Um, last one, man, and then we'll get into your story. You know, this is you know, this is a show about sports. So ultimately, man, what was or who is your favorite athlete, you know, growing up? Grown up it had to be Buster Posey. He was one of them. Um I love watching Tom Brady. Um but definitely Posey being the catcher and being a huge baseball fan, also a Giants fan. Uh, so seeing that guy play, you know, was pretty ridiculous. And again, like I watching my dad watch Giants games. And then as I got older and got into social media stuff, you know, the first thing I'd look up on YouTube would always be Buster Posey highlights and uh, other, you know, Hall of Fame catchers. So he's definitely one of them. Absolutely. Yeah. Buster, I mean, just being in, in Florida, which is where I am, Buster Posey, obviously going to school, you know, at Florida State, um, being so close to that, like he is, you know, touted as one of the best. And right. when he was with the Giants, still very, in, in my opinion, it, it took a while for him to kind of get the recognition he deserved and I, I don't know why I think it he maybe just he's not that vocal guy that that you know big personality is very kind of reserved but he's going to get after he's going to get the job done um I can kind of see what you do in him um just through highlights and things that I've seen and read but before we get into the baseball side of things obviously we got to know a little bit about you growing up and and all that good stuff so so talk to me a little bit about your hometown where are you from I'm from Auburn, California, which is Auburn. a small town uh, east of Sacramento, basically splitting Sacramento and Lake Tahoe. Uh, right. So I get up on the foothills a little bit, you know, away from the city. Uh, and it's got the small town feel, you know, it's, it's expanded a lot. There's a lot of more people live, moving up that way from the Bay. Um, there's a lot more money in the town now than there used to be. What is um, what is it known for? Like, if you were going to go back home, what's the one thing that you would have to have or do or see? There's a, there's a lot of history in Auburn, but what it's known for amongst, like, people in the area has got to be Taco Tree is one of them. It's like a Auburn-only uh, uh, fast food restaurant, which is... Get me a taco, bro. I mean, it, it blows Taco Bell out of the water. Uh, <laughs> it was the OG Chipotle Um but yeah, so that that's what it's really known for. But there's other places like Aketa's that's right off the highway. Uh, when I say Auburn, people are like, "Oh, you guys are the in and out on the way to Tahoe." I'm like, "Yeah, that's." that's <laughs> well, I mean, you got places like Taco Trees. I, I I love it. I love it. So obviously, you know, high caliber athlete. So where do you get it from? Tell me about your family dynamics. You got mom and dad in the picture. You got brothers, sisters. Everybody's an athlete. Everybody got, you know, the highest level of athleticism. What, what's the deal? So my parents are happily married. Grew up with them. Um, I have a younger sister named Lila, who is also an athlete and claims to be the athlete of the family. Um, I'll get to that later on. But I'll start with my dad. Uh Dad was a huge sports fan growing up, played everything in high school, um, and then went to college, moved to Italy, and now owns a bar. Uh, so he, he didn't play many sports past high school. 
uh, but has always been a super fan and knew enough about the games to be my first coach and everything. You know, he coached my soccer team, little league teams, even got into basketball and he's five, eight, he's not a basketball guy. Uh, but my mom grew up, uh, my grandparents own a ranch in Auburn, a 24 acre cattle ranch. And my mom's side of the family is big in rodeo. So my mom college rodeoed and my uncle is a hall of fame bull rider and one of the founding writers of the PBR. Uh, so that's my biggest athlete of the family. Uh, I definitely say it's him and a lot of the toughness and athleticism and, you know, all those little things that come with rodeo, like balance and the work ethic probably stems from that way, as well as just seeing the way my dad, you know, operates his own business. I mean, uh, bull riding, that's the original X game. Yeah. No <laughs> I mean, you have to be a badass to ride a bull, period. I yeah. mean, mentally, yeah, you have to be it's, it's, dialed it's in. Mentally. Dialed. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, you got to like, be on a different level than people to, one, think about it, and two, to actually do it. Um, yeah. Tell me about this bar, man. In Italy, like where? Where in Italy? And oh, what no, was the, the, the idea behind doing that? Yeah. So he, my dad, went to college, then moved to Italy, uh, and then his parents, his dad's big in business in Auburn, and bought a building, a commercial building, and pitched the idea to him to move home and open a bar in Auburn. Uh, and since then, now it's got to be coming up on 25 plus, maybe 30 years of him owning his own sports bar called Pistol Pete's. Uh, his name's Pete Arrows. Uh, Pistol Pete's Brew and Q. So it's a pool house sports bar. Uh, they serve some food now and a uh, great place for live music. It's kind of the oldest, most established bar in Auburn for sure. Nice, nice. So growing up, your dad's kind of in everything um was there any pressure for him from him to you to play sports or is it something that you just gravitated to naturally i mean as far as i can remember you know, i've always wanted to there was nothing uh that he forced me to do by any means um he definitely raised me in a you know outdoor athletic manner you know i was i was holding the baseball when I was two, you know, before I can even remember. So there's part of that, that he, he surrounded me with the sports um, and I couldn't be more grateful for it. Um, and then providing the opportunity as soon as I was old enough to get involved in youth team sports. Right. So at some point, you know, obviously when you start at two and as you, you get into it, it's fun and figuring the game out. But at what point does baseball become serious for you? Probably hit well. I, I took things serious. Like I was the one of the most serious kids you could meet. Uh, you know, I was I was happy as I'll get, but I didn't I didn't like losing. You know, I was one of the I, I like to throw fits when I lost, and I took my competitiveness really serious. So when I got involved in team sports, it wasn't it wasn't always just for fun. You know, uh, we we had a good friend group that played wiffle ball for fun. But when I played baseball, it was it was baseball season. Shoot, uh, we didn't even that. play wiffle ball for fun with Daniel. No, nah, man. Yeah. I, I see, much like you, like I had to learn, like as a kid, how to be a good teammate. 
and I don't, I don't say that because I was just an asshole, but it was, I was very serious about everything and I wanted to win. And when I didn't win, like, especially in baseball, because it's very humbling because you're going to fail a lot. And so it was really hard for me to like, understand, like I'm playing a game of failure at some point, like it's going to become hard and you're going to fail and you're going to lose. But once I was able to do that, I feel like, you know, becoming a good teammate is something that you kind of can develop into. But I can I can see your point, man, coming out out the gate like you want to win. Like that's that's why you play any type of game is to win. Um, But obviously you take it serious enough and you develop and you grow. Is there travel baseball that you're playing or what? what's the situation out in Oregon on the West Coast? Yeah, so growing up in NorCal, um, it all started with Auburn Little League. You know, I can't give them enough credit, you know, providing that platform for the group that we had come through. Um, you know, I can't, there's probably 10 plus D1 guys in a few years that rolled through this Little League program. Um, and we, we just loved it. You know, it was a great experience. Uh, and then luckily there's some good parents and put together some introductory travel ball uh, that transitioned into some higher level travel ball. Uh, you know, I went out to the Cooperstown Dream Park uh, tournament when I was 12 that a lot of, you know, big leaguers have been to. And it's a kind of famous youth tournament. Um, and then once middle school, late middle school and high school hit, that's when that travel ball circuit really picks up. You know, I got involved with Adam Barb, um, and NorCal travel ball and then, uh, Lance Franks and Chico Aces, you know, I can't credit, give them enough credit as well. You know, they made me the mature player that I was in high school and, uh, gave me a platform to really, you know, showcase myself. Um, you know, and it turned into long summers every weekend on the road. Yeah, we we just talked uh, to Aiden Jimenez, and he played with the NorCal, um, and he had nothing but great things to say about the organization, you know, as far as how it's run, but also as the, the talent and the level of talent that you played. Um, but you mentioned the Chico Aces. Yeah. That is a great name. I know yeah. it's probably, you know, Chico, California, and the, the Aces, it kind of probably fits, but, like, that is a baller-ass name, like, to – if I stepped on the field and the opponent was the Chico Aces, I'd be like, "Damn, here we go. This is gonna be this is gonna be rough today." Yeah, and that's how it was growing up when I played for other teams. You know, they were they were the best twelve, thirteen year team in in the area, and I was I was, you know, happy that I was finally a part of it. So, was there a did you play high school ball? And if so, was there a competitive nature to it, or was travel ball like? the the thing uh the high school ball was big for us um in the small town we have one high school uh but there's a lot of neighboring towns that create a pretty competitive league in the foothills uh trickling down into the roseville rockland area even into sacramento um you know that sacramento area baseball is no joke in high school you know we've produced a lot of division one players pro players uh that you know and counting you know we've got some high high touted prospects coming out of there um so yeah high school high school ball was serious we played a full fall and a full season uh even with the you know a few years that we were kind of small on numbers uh one of the most memorable things from high school for me that i can't help but mention is my sophomore year we had an 11-man roster on our varsity team and of that 11 i think six went on to play college baseball 
which is pretty pretty impressive. Uh, and I think we won close to 20 games that year, you know, with a very restricted roster. I mean, you guys are just having to get after it every game and hope nobody gets hurt and, you know, throwing, you know, guys leaving the mound, going to play position or vice versa, leaving a position, going straight to the mound. That's crazy. Um, what's the name of the high school? Just curious. Foster High School. Okay. Um, yeah. So to me, like everything that you've done was a culmination of of you being where you're at today, but um, you were a top 10 catching prospect in the country. According to prep baseball report, you were number nine on that list while ranking in the top 25 by perfect game. You were named the first team all conference as a freshman, sophomore, and a senior with the COVID uh, season, uh, most of your junior season. You were named first team all Metro in 2021. You batted 386 home run, 17 doubles, five triples, 37 RBI, 67 runs score. Um, obviously you you're figuring it out at what point you know in that you know those things those accolades do you go man i think i can take this to the next level i think getting involved with the right people it was about eighth grade is when i decided that i wanted to wanted to do it i didn't know that i could yet you know i didn't know 100 percent that i was good enough uh, but I set my mind on this is, this is what I'm going to do. And I'm going to listen to the right people and they're going to tell me how to do it. Um, and part of that was polishing the catching skills. Uh, part of that was committing to switch hitting. Uh, another part was putting on 40 plus pounds, you know, and lifting six days a week through high school. Uh, and that comes with a lot of sacrifices. You know, I, I didn't get to be, you know, a mess around in high school. Uh, I had a mom that, made sure my grades were straight and I was lucky enough to earn myself a like four, two GPA, I think. Uh, but I took it serious and I, I didn't leave any questions on what I was trying to do. Hold on uh, now. A four, two GPA. That's not luck, bro. Don't, don't discredit yourself, man. I mean, when you're academically driven and you're athletically driven, but then you throw numbers like a four, two out, like four, two is like, you're doing better than the best. Like, and let's let's talk about it, Daniel, because I don't have it, you know, set to talk about for college. But don't think I didn't see it when I was studying up on him. My man's been on the dean's list each year at Oregon too. That's because that's because mama's mama's not gonna let him do anything other than that. You can mama don't mess around, dude. That's right. She don't said, come home for Christmas if you ain't got the grades. Nope. I came home from a fifth grade, uh, you know, Wednesday. Uh, and she saw a D on one of my history tests. And I don't think I, I, I wasn't, I don't know what happened, but I, I will remember that. He, he tried to black out I, and forget I, it. He was traumatized I, I to the point. Yeah. He, he said he don't want that smoke anymore. So, uh, hey, man, I feel you, dude. But um, obviously, you realize in, you know, in eighth grade, hey, this is something I want. You work towards it. You hit milestones along the way. So at what point do colleges come knocking on the door or making phone calls or sending letters saying, Hey, we want you to be a part of our team. It started, it kicked off for me, uh, freshman year. I grew up in the, you know, in NorCal. And of course being that you want to go to the big schools in that area. So for me, it was Cal Berkeley. 
Um, you know, I told everyone like, Hey, I'm, I'm going to go to Cal. Like, it's just what I wanted to do growing up because I didn't know what colleges really were. And, you know, I liked their, I knew they had a good baseball team at the time. Um, you know, of course I was a huge Oregon football fan when I played football in middle school. Uh, but once I got into baseball, I was like, Hey, Cal seems cool. You know, I was big into engineering at the time, thought I was going to be, you know, a scientist or whatever. Um, so I went to a couple of prospect camps there and uh, was able to get an offer, I think, fall of my sophomore year. So that's when it, that's when it kickstarted, you know, like that's what it got rolling for me. And uh, I talked to my parents and we decided that no matter what was going to happen, I was going to sit on offers until I could take official visits, which at the time was fall of your junior year. So I had a full year to make a decision or basically just patiently wait and tell them like, Hey, I hope you can respect my choice. Um, then I played through my sophomore year, had a good year. Um, and then summer ball picks up and I went to one event called the NorCal world series. Um, and I played really well, probably my, one of my best days of baseball. Um, you know, I caught well, probably through a one nine in the showcase stuff uh, and hit a home run in the game and played a little second base and made a couple of plays there. And after that weekend, it was just, that's what got it rolling for me. You know, all it takes is getting yourself to the right spot and then performing in front of the right people, you know? Yeah. And once, once you get eyes that have seen you play like that, then it, it really takes off. Um, and, you know, I was lucky enough to get in contact with a lot of really good coaches and build some relationships and, you know, have, collect some offers and basically narrow it down to, you know, a few colleges that I wanted to take visits at uh, going into the fall of the junior year. Do you think, like, obviously this is hypothetical, but let's say you didn't wait to make a decision. Let's say you made a decision out the gate. Do you think you have that type of day? Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I wasn't somebody you, that really... Do you think you're going to play it no matter what? You're going to... that That's how that's who you are. You're going to have that that day no matter what, regardless of, of whether you've committed or not. Yeah, I, I don't know if that exactly... Like, you know, there's so many variables that could have happened. Um, but I think I would have been at that event. It was still a, you know, a big-time event in NorCal, even for pro scouting. So once you're committed, that's the next step, you know, get in front of professional scouts. Um, so I still likely would have been at that event. I'm just, I don't know, you know, what else could have changed. Yeah, right, but, right but place I, at the right time, man. And, but I'll and, tell you, Daniel, the thing about it, you know, 17% of our audience is, is under 18, right? And so for the younger, you know, athletes listening, understanding, you know, what those days and putting everything you can into the right people watching, what it means, because we see guys or girls go under the radar all the time, right? How did this person, and it's because, you know, when they had the opportunity, they didn't shine. Um, so it's about taking advantage of those opportunities. You can't miss those. Definitely. So at, at what point do you go, you know what? Now Oregon is in the mix, and now that's where I want to go. So how do we get from, all right, I had this amazing day at this, this showcase, and now I've got this attention. How does it get from there to I'm – committing and going to Oregon? It ties into that day. Um, head coach here at Oregon, Mark Wasikowski, at the time was a coach at Purdue. Um, and I'm 90% sure he was at that event. 
and had his recruiting, either that or his recruiting coordinator at the time uh, was there and reached out to me and talked to me about going to Purdue, you know, what, what would it take? I, there was no offer on the table or anything like that, but just getting to know each other, building a relationship. Um, and then I hear Purdue head coach headed to Oregon. I'm like, I like the sound of that. You know, that like, I like Oregon. And he hires a pretty kick-ass staff uh, with one of his first hires being Jack Martyr, who at the time was an assistant at Stanford. And, uh, you know, Martyr played here in the past and has a lot of emotional and historical connection to uh, Eugene and the university. Um, and he, I was, I think I was one of his first phone calls as the recruiting coordinator here. And it was different than anything else that I'd heard since that day. You know, you get the call and you say, hey, coach so-and-so from so-and-so university, you know, we like what we see, uh, love to get to know you, this, that, and the other, you know, and that's, that's about it. That's how a typical first phone call would go. And I think Martyr called me and he said, hey, Anson, Jack Martyr, uh, hitting coach at the University of Oregon. Uh, I saw you play today. I thought you were all right. Uh, here's what you did wrong. And I sat there on the phone and listened to him tell me what I sucked at for an hour. And I was in the middle of dinner and I told my parents like, Hey, I got to take this. And I didn't, I don't think I came back to dinner. I just was getting coached and I'd never talked to this guy before. And I left that phone call and I was like, okay, like this, this is cool. You know, I like this guy. And I was still playing the waiting game. You know, I was still middle of summer. I wanted to take a visit, but in the back of my mind, I was like, I, I can play for, I can play for him. And I know Waz is, you know, a very similar person. So I like uh, that he that, shot you straight. We we ask all the time, would you rather have the painful truth or a comforting lie? And it seems the way you're made up, you want the truth. Shoot it to me. Yeah. And I think he knew that. You know, he's he's good at his job. He knows how to recruit different guys. Uh, but he, he hit it right on the head with what I wanted to hear and you know, the kind of coach that I like to play for. I mean, nothing is psychologically like a game than telling you what you did wrong so you can go oh really well here's what i can do so i'm going to prove you wrong and by the way i'm going to come to your school and i'm going to show <laughs> you I'm not just going to tell you i'm going to show you yeah and it's it's all in the right intention it wasn't just hey like i think you're all right and you know you're going to be an average player he's like hey i think you can be good so he he, he buttered the biscuit a little bit there you know they all got to do it uh but he told me what i needed to get better to be a division one player yeah, absolutely. So you obviously end up in Eugene. Um, you know, once you get there, what are the emotions like? I mean, you you talked about, you know, being a fan in middle school, you know, talk about being a NorCal guy. Like, you know, what's it like once you get up there? Yeah, it's it's exactly – it's what you'd expect and more. You know, it's amazing up here. Uh, Eugene itself is beautiful. The Pacific Northwest is unbelievable. I don't know if you know much about Oregon or see much of it, but – Man, it's it's unlike a lot of other places. Um, the university itself, you know, campus is amazing. Classroom, like everything's top notch here. It's un, it's un, hard to beat. Uh, and then you dive straight into the athletics, and that's when it really gets impressive. Yeah. Now you see the pictures of up there in Oregon, and like you said, the Pacific Northwest, and it's because we haven't been there. It looks like they're filtered, right? Like everything just looks too beautiful to be true, type deal. Um, right. But, you know, talking about the athletics, you know, we we came up, Daniel, you remember, I mean, Oregon, especially they were the, you know, obviously they got back to to being up there this year. But when we were growing up, they were the upper echelon. And 
you know, they were always on TV, the must-see, you know, the uniforms are always just best of the best, you know. So for you, going to the football games, man, just how electric has that been? Autzen, Autzen's unbelievable, man. Uh, you know, not the biggest stadium, not the most fans or whatever it may be. We we packed the house, but it's by far the loudest thing I've ever been a part of, and I think it's recognized as that in college football. You know, it's it's a playing experience that's unlike any other I'd imagine as a football player. Uh, but as a fan, you know, it, it matches it. It's it's a great time. You know, the people there are always awesome. And, you know, it's ever it's always a good football game. You know, there's always one good team on there. Uh, it's whether the other team can keep up with us. So no doubt, Daniel, we got to put that on the bucket list, man. We got to get up to Eugene. Okay. Yeah, I heard it's 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 one of the loudest stadiums in the country. I mean, yeah. I'm trying I'm trying to get the thing is, man, it looks really pretty during the winter, but we don't like cold weather, so can't do that. <laughs> Early fall, you know, get up while it's still close to summer. Yeah. Uh, First game of the season. It never rains in Johnson Stadium, so you don't got to worry about it. That's what they say in Baton Rouge, too, in Death Valley, and it always rains. So so let me ask you, man, I was talking about the uniforms, like non-biased. Like, I think they got the best uniforms kits, don't matter which sport you're talking about. Like, I mean, always coming up with these alternates, like, Best uniforms in the country, right? Like when you look at all the athletics. Yeah, across the board. You know, we're um, baseball's in a funny spot right now because we've we've been wearing the same sets for a few years, and we're actually getting new ones this year. But I can't tell you anything about them because I don't even know what it looks like yet. Oh, um, look at that! I wish I had a little more info for you. Uh, and so, no, with, we're, with we're the to with the combinations that we see, obviously, it seems like there's just unlimited numbers of color schemes and combinations. Be real. There's gotta be some where you look at and you go, uh, I'm not really a fan of this one. Cause I'll, I'll be honest. Like there are some where I'm like, man, you're an old school cat. That's why you're probably the one that that didn't like, you probably didn't like the, the breast cancer ones that were black with the pink on them. Did you? But I loved them. No, those are fine. I'm just saying, I mean, green can be a loud color and it, yellow can be a loud color. So you're probably talking about the ones that look throwbackish that kind of got the mighty duck feel to it. I'm not I'm not pointing, I'm not saying there's one <laughs> uniform in particular. I'm just saying in general they could have some loud combinations. Is there one that he does not prefer or all of them like they come out pristine you're like, "Man, these are going to hit." You know, once you once you're surrounded by the colors, green gets a you know, you just fall in love with it. So I, I can't tell you that I've ever seen something that's apple green and I haven't liked it. Well, um, fun fact, green is my favorite color. Yes. There you go. I think the two schools, and I said this when I had Vance Honeycutt on from North Carolina, I think the, the Tar Heel blue, and I think when you go with the Oregon colors, like I just don't really find uniforms for either of those schools that I don't like. So I'm, I'm down with it. But off the uniforms getting into baseball man you red shirt freshman year because of an injury you know talk to us about this injury um because you know it says you played one game you know did it happen in that game you know you know what's the injury how to happen yeah so I came in uh my freshman fall uh with a little bit of a elbow issue going on never knew what it was just you know basic tendonitis was always the you know what I was told it was but um I took some time off in the fall through, took more time off, just kind of battling the injury, never really got a roll going. Um, and then 
come springtime, right before the first road trip of the spring, I had a pretty big blow up in a practice that uh, really caught my attention. Nothing like popping or anything, nothing tore. Uh, but I had to get some MRIs to really figure out what it was. And this was basically the day before we left for that USD series. Uh, so I still went on the trip. You know, I was lucky enough to earn the earn the spot on that travel trip. And uh, they gave me an AB there. I pinch hit in the late inning. Um, but once we got home, I got an MRI and they were finally able to tell me what it really was. And I had some stress fractures forming in my elbow. Uh, not fully fractured yet, but just a stress reaction that was causing a lot of pain. Uh, and they basically told me like, Hey, like you can either really try to deal with it and risk fracturing your elbow, or you can shut down for 12 weeks, um, which puts you out, you know, 12 of the 16 weeks of the season. And then after taking 12 weeks off, you have to slowly progress for what another four or five to get back up to playing speed. Um, so I was basically, I was basically out. And of those 12 weeks of no throwing, I also couldn't lift or hit for the first six. So it was a lot of just hanging out, you know, just catching and learning. Uh, so that, yeah, that year ended up being a, you know, tough one for me. First real injury in my life that held me back from something like that. Felt like the worst, you know, time that it could be. Uh, but I learned a lot. There's a lot of positives. You know, I kept the spirits really high and learned a lot from the guys that were currently playing and the coaches so you know it could have been one of the better things that's happened to me in respect to just making me who I am and kind of that stoicism and really just you know accepting things for how they're going trusting the Lord yeah Daniel I mean he's almost every great athlete we've had on here talked about what they were able to get out of the red shirt year what they're able to learn I mean I love it when you're able to take the positive yeah it it sucks you're not playing but being able to take advantage, like you said, watching the other guys, learning, checking it out. Like it's one of those things that's make the best of what you got and take, take advantages. So some people, the, some people get into the game and they're like, this level is moving so fast, but when you're around it, you don't necessarily have to play it, but to see it and to practice it and to do it and to be around it, like it slows itself down for you to where when you are ready, it's just a normal day. It's no speed. You're like, all right, I got this. So I, I can understand like having that chance to kind of take a step back and kind of, all right, cool. I'm getting healthy. I'm getting ready. But also like I'm eager because I know I can compete. And, yeah, and I'll say this, you know, coming off the injury, you know, it's one of those things that no one on the other side, because you were dealing with pain, you were dealing with that stress, like, you're going to be better on the other side. Like that's, that's the thing, you know, nowadays in baseball, especially like you have the surgeries, you know, coming out on the other side, you're probably going to feel better than you did before. And man, sky, sky's the limit with a guy of your caliber. So with that season, what do you think was the one thing that was most important that you were able to learn? I think the the biggest thing was learning how to listen to my body and just taking each day, you know, for what it is and uh, kind of just that, joy of finding the little things you know that it added a lot of perspective to my life I'd never been you know shot down like that before uh and just to really be my first time to have to get back up and you know just keep keep going and finding the positives uh was definitely huge and uh I th like really the biggest thing you learn is just how much you miss it 
you know, when you're when when baseball gets taken away from you, you never want to miss another day. Um, and that time, one of the biggest things that happened to me was not being able to throw. And basically, I told myself, like, hey, once I'm healthy, like, I'm not I'm not not throwing again. You know, as long as I, as long as my body will let me, I'm going I'm to keep doing it because I know how much I'll miss it. Yeah, out of curiosity, thinking about it, you talked about the weight that you had to put on the time in the weight room, and then you talked about having to not work out for six weeks. How much weight did you lose that you had to put back on? Believe it or not, I actually gained a lot of weight um, really? because I couldn't do I, – I did lower body workouts um, with, like, a barbell on my back as long as it wasn't in my hands. I couldn't squeeze anything with the forearm flexors connecting to the elbow. Um, but not playing and sitting through three, four-hour baseball games with a bin of snacks behind you – <laughs> I, I ate a lot, dude. Like I'm not I'm not kidding. I, I put on probably 15 pounds that spring. Uh, I think it's the heaviest I've ever been. I think I finished that spring like 208. Well, that just pisses me off, Daniel, because this man didn't even work out for this. I seen his pics on IG. The man got a six pack. Man, I eat snacks. I ain't never getting it back, bro. Oh no. Good. No, but let's talk about some baseball, man. Now that, you, you know, you get through the injury, you play in 17 games last year, you're finally able to get to, to get in some action. You know, you're able to take that first year, learn, feel it. Like Daniel says, slow it down, you know, watch it. Now that you're in it, you know, how did it uh, feel, you know, meet to your expectations of what it was going to be like once you finally got in there? Well, so there's a, there's another key part that I should really hit on uh, before we get into the season. But as soon as that freshman year ended, uh, my first game of summer ball, I tore my meniscus and had to get knee surgery. Um, so that stacks two consecutive injuries in the course of, you know, that. Okay. Yeah. It said the, it said the, that you played, only played the 17 cause you were injured. I just actually thought maybe the original injury carried over. Okay. Right. So I, I stack a knee surgery on top of the elbow injury and I can't catch all fall. You know, I'm just DHing a little bit, starting to run again, uh, after those four months of recovery. Um, and I was ready to catch in January and then I tore an additional ligament that didn't require surgery, uh, right at the start of our spring season. So I was battling a lot of little bang ups in my right knee, uh, that kept me from catching early in the season. I, I don't think I was ready to catch until a few games into pack play. Um, so being able to jump in and DH and pinch hit and, you know, playing those, I think you said 17 games, yeah. uh, I consider that a huge success with what my body was allowing me to do. Uh, and I learned a lot from, you know, still needing to prioritize my health and really figure out what I had to do to get, get myself to the right spot to play. Yeah, crazy. I have to put you in some, some bubble wrap, but no, you were actually, you had the upper body injury, then you had the lower body. Um, I guess you were able to level yourself out, right? Like, cause then you were just working out the top half. Yeah, now we're good. Yeah, so when you did get to them 17 games, going into the question, now that you get through these injuries, like you said, especially coming into to Pac-12 play, you know, how did it, you know, once you were finally into action, how, you know, how did it uh, feel meeting your expectations? Yeah, no, it, it felt great, man. The the first collegiate hit, the first collegiate bomb, all those things, like there's no, there's nothing more exciting than that besides, you know, the next one um, that, you know, I hope to get this year. But um yeah, just helping the team win, the team that we had, you know, being a part of that and seeing runs go up on the board and feeling like I'm a part of the group and really, you know, performing. I, it was it was one it was a feeling that you don't really get from anything other than, you know, any sport. So it was really, really exciting. Yeah. So, you know, you guys as a team, you know, obviously amazing season end up 
in the Vandy Regional. We actually both had you picked, but I don't know if it was as much as we – I'll be honest with you, like, we're straight shooters. I don't know if it's as much as we believed in you, as much as we dislike Vandy, but either way, we picked you guys. And so we were not brokenhearted at all when y'all beat them, beat Xavier, you know. So talk about that. You know, you come in there as an underdog in the Nashville. You know, Vandy's a historic program, but you go into their house, you're able to take care of them, take care of Xavier, man. Just talk about what that was like as a team. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was incredible. We were just coming off of one of the best weeks of baseball, winning the Pac-12 tournament, uh, which is an experience unlike any other. Um, and then the selection show, hearing that we were going to go to Vanderbilt and seeing the reactions of the guys was unbelievable. Like, everyone was just ready to go. Like if we could have hopped on a charter at that moment, we would have. Um, so we got out there. You know, there's always the cool stuff seeing. You know, it's Vanderbilt's program. They invested a lot of money in it. There's plenty of cool stuff to see. Uh, but it was a it was a business trip, man. There was there wasn't a whole lot of sightseeing going on until after we won. Uh, you know, and then after that night, you go walk around the campus a little bit and enjoy the winning. And I hope y'all walked up down Broadway Avenue and let them know y'all was there and y'all y'all took care of business. Yeah, we uh we we finished that game though real late. You know, we took there's some weather delay going on in those games leading up to playing us, and uh, I think we finished that game at almost one thirty two eating dinner after midnight was crazy. And, you know, being that you were in Nashville, I'll tell you, you got a, like, uh, um, really a misperception of probably SEC stadiums because um, I was there, you know, in the fall watching them play Wake Forest. And it's such a small stadium compared to the rest of the, the SEC stadiums. I mean, I bet, you know, PK Park's probably a lot better. I don't know what y'all's uh, attendance is, but. Yeah, no, uh, the seating behind home plate, especially, uh, there was there's not a whole lot there. You know, it's a smaller, kind of older-looking stadium, not a whole lot of foul territory. Uh, this is Vanderbilt I'm talking about. But the outdoor, the outfield seating was definitely cool. Uh, so, you know, that's something that we wish to add to PK Park here sooner and later once we get those attendance numbers up consistently. Yeah, so let's get into that. You know, y'all end up getting to be at home for Super Regional, something that y'all probably weren't expecting. Um, you know, you as a friend, or obviously, but, you know, obviously getting the experience in now, um, what was it like being in PK Park, having, um, you know, that atmosphere? I saw it on TV, so I know, I know that the crowd was all into it. You know, what's it like for you as a player on the field? Unbelievable. You know, to feel what, like, that's what PK should be feeling like. And we, you know, we, we hope to get that right back to that level. Uh, when you're competing for championships, people want to watch and people want to support you know, Duck fans are Duck fans, and uh, they like when we win. So we're going to, you know, everything we work for each day is to get PK looking like that again um, and playing in that environment. But, you know, the weather was amazing. You know, all the people out there were crazy. It was loud as it gets. You know, listening to Shout was incredible, you know, and hearing the chants and everything up to up to the last pitch of every game was unbelievable. Absolutely. So coming into this season, you know, one of the the cool things I found with following you is your videos catching, your your teaching, your training. Um, talk about what inspired you to start doing that. You know, putting those videos out, showing um, what you're doing and working on. Yeah, you know, I, I was thinking about it last year. I've always wanted to do it. Um, I was hesitant just because I didn't know how to. Uh, but I started just kind of throwing some stuff out there initially, just for fun, just because I saw some trends and. Liked it. And then I took some media day pictures and threw them up there. And then once the following, like following started building, I just decided to turn it into more of an instructional thing rather than just for fun or just for the likes or just for the following. You know, I don't, I didn't want to do it for the wrong reasons. Um, 
And I thought about it and I was just thinking back to when I was a kid, like what I would have wanted to see, you know, what kind of instruction can you get from next level players that isn't already out there? Um, so that's what kind of inspired the, the routine videos, the, the catching, you know, skills and the hitting videos and all that kind of stuff. And then all for the rest of it is just filling in the behind the scenes, you know, people like seeing what college athletes do. Right. Daniel, the first, you know, the first people I think of the, the kids who maybe can't afford to go to the uh, really expensive camps, right? Like get the best on best training. Um, he gives them an opportunity to get training from him on there, be able to see things like those are the first ones I think of. Don't you, Daniel? Yeah. And one of the things that I like about it is that you're growing a game and keeping it fresh for young players because when I was a young player, one of the things I think that was lacking was baseball is a very traditional sports. It's America's pastime. So like a lot of the drills and things and techniques and, and just everything was very old school in a fact to the point where like if it wasn't in Ron Polk's baseball Bible, like you just <laughs> didn't do it. And so now like you have YouTube, you have all these platforms where you can go on and you can see like state-of-the-art training and drills and things that you never think of. And I'm sure you're the same. You probably do your research, you do your homework, you probably see things all the time. You're like, oh man, that's that's pretty good. Let me try that. Or let me modify that to help me do something that I'm struggling with. Or that's just crazy. That's dumb. Or I really like that and everything in between. And I think that's that's important to be able to do, especially for young players. So my my hat's off to you because one of the big things that we like to do is grow the game and there's no better way to grow the game than to get young people interested and to develop their talents. Yeah. Daniel, I started thinking about Evan Russell when Tony V told him he was going to be a catcher for the first time. And he started getting on YouTube, looking up videos, <laughs> man, you got to catch Ben Joyce, oh, Chase Burns, I, Chase. I like, nope. He might as well Started riding bulls. And I'm telling you, man, it was so fun having having Evan on here talk about this. This dude talking about he couldn't sleep at night knowing he had to catch these dudes. He he was not a catch. There was a false reports out that he caught in high school. Um, he he put that to bed real real quick. He did one game where he stepped in anyway. Uh, and so yeah, this this guy's got to transform himself into a catcher. And oh yeah, you get to do it with like three of the best and all the way or all, by the way, coming out of the bullpen, we got a guy who can throw 104 miles an hour. That's funny. But, you know, this fall, man, talk to me about it. You know, y'all been having your scrimmages, your exhibitions, how do you feel about the team? And and with that, tell us some batters that, you know, we should really be looking out for that stood out. Yeah. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got a good group this year. We're, uh, a pretty new Oregon baseball team, I'd say. Um, we filled a lot of the gaps that we lost. We, we had a lot of turnover last year, um, but we filled the holes from the transfer portal and the incoming classes that we had recruited. Uh, you know, they do a good job with that and filling our offense. Uh, but one of the biggest steps we made is definitely with the pitching staff. Um, we brought in a new pitching coach as well. Our old coach is a head coach in New Mexico State now. Um, and he's, you know, jumped right in and taken off with his staff and really gained control of the guys and getting the guys a lot better. So I'm, I'm excited to see the guys throw, uh, especially, and then our offense is going to do what we do and we're going to bang, um, specific bats that you asked for, uh, Jacob Walsh, you know, he's our big lefty, uh, 
freshman All-American two years ago, and now he's a junior, uh, ready to take off and, you know, be a leader in our offense. Uh, Bennett Thompson is another catcher here uh, who caught a lot last year, and he's a great right-handed bat. Um, we have some young guys that are going to step in, some new infielders, uh, and then some big bats in the transfer portal that we got in guys like Justin Casella, uh, Jeffrey Hurd, um, both outfielders. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's going to be big time. You know, there's, there's a lot of bats and there's plenty more that I didn't mention, you know, there's guys. Yeah, that, no, I know you could do it all day. Everywhere. So I'm, I'm excited to really see the performance happen. Yeah, no, uh, guys can always list off the whole team. It's, you know, giving uh, the listeners a couple guys that they can really look for. Um, you know, you talk about the pitching staff, you know, that's, that's the beauty of being a catcher, man. You get to see these guys um, just, you know, how electric their stuff is. Same thing. Obviously, you could probably list them all, but give us a couple guys that really this fall just really stood out to you. Yeah, you know, we're, we're lucky to get a guy like Isaac Aon back. Uh, he's a guy that went down last year with a elbow repair and um, didn't throw it all for us last year. So we're missing him. Uh, he got picked up in the 20th, 20th round without throwing any pitches last year uh, and decided to come back for us. So uh, he's going to be a big time, you know, big, big frame righty that's going to throw gas. Um, we got other guys in the portal. RJ Gordon's back in the same situation that Aeon's in. Um, guys like Turner Spoljeric that took off at the end of last year. Um, you know, back for round two. Uh, big time starters like Kevin Sider out of the portal, uh, as well as some veteran experience and guys like Bradley Mullen and Brock Moore. Uh, you know, Brock's a guy that was at an NA or D3 NAI in Menlo. Uh, you know, that shows up here and is pumping 98, 99, hundred miles an hour. So, you know, we got, we got some guys that can chuck it and it's going to be, it's going to be a fun one to watch. Yeah, no, I'm excited. Uh, I have high expectations, uh, you know, for Oregon. I, I did the research and saw everything that you've been saying. And, you know, with that, you know, everybody in the country really seems to be on Oregon state. And, you know, I ask you this, you know, the trip to Corvallis this year, for your team, you know, is it one of those things? Obviously, you talk about business, and every weekend is business. You know, you don't look over anybody. When, when it comes to them, they're your rival. They're the team that everybody's picking. You know, just how excited will you be when that trip comes and a chance for Oregon to prove themselves that, you know, they're the team that's being overlooked? No, it's, it's going to be it's going to be time to shine. You know, it's going to be time to perform and step up. I can't discredit them. You know, we know they're going to be good, and I hope they know that we're going to be good. Um and we're going to take a trip up there and, you know, we've got that little bit of a chip on our shoulder. We haven't <clears throat> handled business the way we should have the last couple of years. Uh, and, you know, it's time for my group, you know, this, this junior class to really step up and do some damage against these guys and, you know, really wrap up this pack play, pack play the way that we want, you know, this last year of pack 12 and, you know, not necessarily for sure the last year of the rivalry, considering baseball is a long season. We can always schedule, you know, midweekend weekend series against them. But um, th this year is going to mean something to us, and uh, we're ready to go with it. Yeah, Daniel, it's one of those things that, you know, we don't think about as much because uh, we're not out there. But, yeah, for these guys, it means a lot, man. It's the last one. Yeah, I th what I hope is, you know, these guys are, are... – are close enough in proximity like that's a midweek game you know when it's all said and done like that should be important to you know Oregon State and Oregon to want to have that game I mean the difference in baseball is like it's much easier to play those games because 
you play such a heavy schedule, like one loss here or there isn't going to, like in the midweeks, not going to deter you. I mean, we see it all the time. Um, these big schools um, will play midweek games and they'll lose, you know, a lot. Um, not a lot, but they, they'll have losses. But, you know, it's because there's reasons for it. They schedule, you know, certain guys or certain teams or they play it a certain way. But um, I'm always about trying to maximize your potential by playing the best. And so whether you win, lose or draw, I still think it's important um, for recruiting. It's important for just the history of the rivalry. And it's important for the players who care about it. So hopefully that that continues. But Anson, man, you're off the hot seat, bro. We're ready to have some fun and play a little game. You down to play? Love it. All right, man. So this game is called This or That. And I'm going to tell you, man, it's often, oftentimes imitated but never duplicated. The This or That game, Jim, who's it brought to you by? Chinook Cedary, which, you know, here soon, Anson's going to be an ambassador, man. Let's go. You you had Chinook Seeds yet? I, I've uh, actually never had them, but I'm excited to try it out. Oh, buddy, you're in for a treat. All right, so you're talking about jumbo seeds. You're talking about the best flavors, mild to wild. You're talking garlic parm. You're talking cinnamon toast, smokehouse barbecue, dill pickle, jalapeno ranch. The list is endless. The combinations of what you can do with these are amazing. And we, we've taken it a step further here on the In Off the Bench podcast. Is every week I have taste tested a flavor and I've given it a rating. Um, I've gotten to the point now this season, season nine, where I'm mixing two flavors to see if I can come up with an ultimate combination. So this week, the combination is smokehouse barbecue and dill pickle. Oh, gross. So let me, let me tell you. Why would you do that to him? Because I, 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 dill pickle, when I look at the packaging, it's Oregon, it's Oregon. It's a hundred percent Oregon. So. I said, all right, I'm going to take my one of my, you know, favorites, Smokehouse Barbecue, and throw it in with one of my, you know, least favorites, but the color scheme is there, and we'll see what happens, bro. But today, you get the opportunity to choose the name of this combination, all right? I've narrowed it down to three, so I'm not putting you on the spot to where you got to come up off the fly with a name, but I'll give you three that you can pick from. Smokehouse Barbecue and Dill Pickle, the first name. I'm kind of a big deal. Get it? Like deal pickle. No, I like idiot. it. Number two is El Burro, which is donkey in Spanish because the donkey, it has two sides. It has that spicy side like a smokehouse barbecue, or it has that kind of lethargic dopey side like a dill pickle. All right. And then right. third is the prickly pear because when I think of dill pickle, with a little bit of smokehouse barbecue kick, I think about a cactus, and the prickly pear is a type of cactus. So, those are oh, options. your master's degree is really shining right now. Hey, I'm telling <laughs> you, I'm, I'm putting it out there. So, here we go. Without further ado, let me throw three of each in. Let's see how this goes. This is great, great, great listening for the fans because I feel a real low rating coming right now. I just anything with dill pickle, I have no faith in. Tangy, pretty tangy. 
That face is not selling me for a, an eight or above right now. All right. So initial, initial reaction. It's not very good. All right. <laughs> it's it's gonna be it's gonna be down there. And the reason being is because the dill pickle is just a like when I think about smokehouse barbecue entering the dill pickle world, I'm thinking like I'm gonna taste some of this barbecue flavor and I just don't. It's just overpowered by dill pickle. So unfortunately. Oh, it's getting the lowest rating. I see it. Six eight. Mm. Six eight. Which is the lowest rating so far. Not good. Not bad. Maybe not you can terrible. save it with the name. You know, Anson can pick the right name. Maybe we could we can get somebody on it. Yeah. I mean, if you like dill pickle with a uh a, a after kick. You'll like this. I'll see if Ty Floyd likes it because he's Dill Pickles. Dill Pickles his favorite. So, Anson, what do you got? I'm kind of a big deal. The Elboro or the Prickly Pear. What are you going to go with? I like the Prickly Pear. I just don't see exactly how it ties to it. Well, I see the thought, but I can't go Prickly Pear without there being like a pear flavor in it. Okay. So I think I'm between Elboro and I'm kind of a big deal. But I think you got to go, I'm kind of a big dill and just straight up say dill in it. Yeah, I think so I think, too. And that's what you got to go with. There it is. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I feel unqualified kind of to be on deal. I feel unqualified to be on this episode. So I got two smart people and I just don't feel right here anymore. All right. Well, we'll see you later, Jim. Have a nice. I mean, night. you don't need me. This or that's on deck. Like this ain't my portion. So, well, we've named the worst flavor combination to date. So let's get into the game. This or that. I'm gonna give you two options. You choose one or the other. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Be decisive. Pick the first thing that comes to your mind or whatever comes to your heart. You got it, Daniel. Do you want to know why I'm the producer? Look at that first question after he sat here and talked about tacos with you. That's not even there, a normal question. And I put that on there, and it wasn't on purpose, but it can I can say it was. I mean, okay. Tacos. That's the topic of question one. Chicken or beef tacos? I'm going chicken street tacos. All right. What about chicken or like a, a steak? Like a nice like cube steak. Yeah, if it's like the right carne asada, I'll go steak. But chicken's always the safe one, and it's always good. True, true. Uh, cowboy, cowboy hat or baseball hat? Am I reading that right? Yeah, you are. Cowboy hat or baseball hat? I, I, I'm going to go baseball hat because I, I'm never not wearing a hat. Um, but I do like to wear my cowboy hat as much as I can. If there's ever an opportunity, if it's like a wear it to the field kind of day, throw some boots and a buckle on, uh, or going to, you know, PBR event was the most recent time I wore it. I took some media day pictures in it the other day. So I do like to wear it. Yeah. So you read it right, Daniel. And I knew that he, when he was telling his story, it would come in and obviously the ranch came in early. So. Well, it was, it's, it was typed cowboys hat. So I'm thinking, well, is this guy a Cowboys fan? Because I am. I mean, we could like just I said, I'm not the educated one, so of course I messed. Uh, I had a typo. <laughs> All right. Next question is a question that is 
like Jim put on here and it is completely taken off. Liquid soap or bar soap? Liquid soap. What if I told you liquid soap only cleans 50% of your hands when you use it? Are we talking just hand soap? Yeah. Just hand soap? Yeah, mm-hmm. I just uh, I like the convenience of the liquid. I don't like mm-hmm. the bar just sitting on the counter. He's not cleanly, Daniel. That's all. I actually made the 50% up thing. I just like seeing if that sways anybody. Because my man... My man Anson, he's he's a, he's a genius. Hey, he so, so far there's I got one. Me and Vance Honeycutt, we bar soaps. Let's go. Yeah. Cause y'all are living under lies. He's a defensive player of the year. That's all I know. Wow. Green uniforms or white uniforms? Uh, I don't know what our new ones are gonna look like, but the past ones that we've worn, I was a big fan of the Sunday greens. Uh, I like the contrast with the green jersey and the white pants. All white's a good look, but I like the greens a lot. Is that your favorite uniform? My favorite uniforms are black uniform that we typically only wear on the road. Uh, but something about black and yellow is a good combo. Gotcha. What do you value more, your hair flow <laughs> or a six-pack? I think I could go without the flow. I think I'd like to keep myself in good shape as long as I can. Let me tell you something. Hair will come and go. But let me tell you, hang on to that six-pack as long as you can. Man, I can't get my back. You said I can get my back, Daniel? That's a lie, man. I've tried. It ain't it ain't ever coming back. Do You, you ain't going to like what I have to tell you to get it back. But I'm not going to eat right, man. No, even when I ate right and lost all that weight, I still only could see four. I could never see the last two. They won't come. Because you quit too early. <laughs> all right. Costume party or pool party? My uh, my birthday's on Halloween, so I'm a little... You're biased. Okay. Biased costume side, being that typically that's when I'm wearing a costume. Uh, so you... Do you, are you a guy that will go, all right, I'm going to do a combination Halloween birthday party, or do you separate it like, no, this is my birthday, and this is Halloween? No, what, the nice part about having the birthday on Halloween is you don't have to host. There's always stuff going on, and your friend's always doing something. So, Yeah, my birthday uh, party's at your house, bro. You know, it's just wherever everyone else goes, and then happens to be my birthday. All right. The next one is kind of a strange question, but – Hear me out. I thought about not putting it on there anymore. It's so strange. It's very strange. Would you rather, if you had to pick one of these options for the rest of your life, would you rather kiss like a baby with open mouth or kiss like a dog where you can just lick? I'm going to go. It's a silly question. Yeah, I'm going to go like a baby. I think the, I don't know. If I could just lick people, I know. I think only. I think you. The first person you asked that to was Daniel. Was Josh Hartle, and he said lick. He even licked on the screen, which is odd. But ever since then, it's been all open mouth. I think he's the first and the last. Yeah, I think so. Uh, Maybe we do get rid of it. Maybe this is that's. I had to put. I mean, you developed that question because you have. You developed it because you had a baby. I figured I'd keep it in there because I mean, you you deal with open mouth kisses every day with your baby. I mean, yeah, it's crazy. And there's a teething and there's a lot of drool. And it's just, it's, 
It's a lot. Let's just put it that way. All right. Would you rather be lost in a jungle or trapped in a haunted house? I'm going jungle. I, I don't like the haunted stuff, even with the Halloween connection. Uh, I think my chances of survival are better in the jungle, even though the, the haunted house might not be real. That, that's what I, so you're, you're not the only one in that boat, but I always go back with that is like, in the jungle, you know, there's things that really exist, but in yeah. a haunted house, like you can't convince me personally that those things exist. So like, how is that? Like, I just don't understand. I know the tiger, the tiger at night really will kill you. Um, exactly. <laughs> the potential of seeing a ghost that scares the shit out of you for five seconds. That, that could be there. Maybe. I don't know, man. If we're, we're, if we're talking hypotheticals and they were both real, I think I'd rather go out in the jungle than a potentially real haunted house. All right. All right. All right. Last question. Would you rather be the number one overall pick in the draft or would you rather win a national championship? Definitely. No. There's, I, there's, I don't think there's any experience that could match winning a national championship like that. You know, what if I told go, you the price was last year for the number one pick was $10 million. So basically it's like, I'm bringing you a suitcase full of Chris hundred dollar bills to the sum of $10 million. I say, Anson, here you go, brother. It's either this or this national championship you pick. I, I bet on myself. I think I'm going to make some money one way or another. I don't think you just win a national championship one way or another. So I'm going to, I'm going to take the experience of winning a, Winning a chip. Daniel, let me ask you this. All right. So he's the 11th guest of this season. Obviously, upward of 40 guests in this season. Only Aiden Jimenez from Oregon State has said, give him the money. Will he be the only guest? Because it is rare that people say the money. Or do you say there will at least be one more? I think there's at least going to be one more. I think Rock Taylor would tell. <laughs> I, my money is on Rock Taylor. Well, that's not fair. You're going to pick the guy who comes from an area where he has no money at all. That's not cool. Well, you asked me, and I told you. I did my research, man. No, I, I don't know. I I think people will gravitate towards the team aspect because, I mean, this is a sports podcast. We're getting their story about them and their, their team. So I think they're going to lean towards that. But I think when real comes to real – and somebody put a suitcase of money in front of you, like, I, my bet is on the money. Just saying. Now, for me, it's it's a money it's a money thing because of where I'm at in my life. Like, I know that $10 million in my life right now would completely alter the trajectory of my life and my kid's life, and it would be selfish of me not to be able to do that. If I was playing college baseball, then – it might be selfish of me to take the money. So like I can I, I definitely see and respect everyone's point of view and what what they decide. So but answer man, you are off the hot seat, brother. Anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? Yeah, I mean, just thank you guys. You know, this was a, this was an awesome, great production and just really enjoyed talking with you guys. Um, you guys do a great job here and I'm excited to really watch this as well as other you know episodes in the rest of the season uh definitely gonna be a fan now Daniel, uh, I, as i say i got a fun fact for you while we're plugging stuff you know him and uh him and aiden jimenez are gonna be on the hot corner next week to fill everybody in on 
you know, Oregon and Oregon State and Pac-12 baseball. So Ooh. we're plugging two guests together. They're gonna be fr- they're gonna be friends for y'all. Gonna, y'all gonna be able to y'all gonna be all right. I th- I, we'll see what we can do. You know, I'll. I'll I, I think I actually took a flight home with the guy. Uh, you know, we're from the same kind of area near Sacramento. Uh, so I think I think we'll be able to tough it out for at least one day. Speaking of being from the same area, did you play with Blake Burke? Because Scott Burke commented on my photo and said you're a great guy, and I started thinking about where Blake was from. Oh, yeah. No, we, we played together since eighth grade all the way through high school. You know, a few events. We were both in that NorCal travel ball circuit and uh, did some, like, other event stuff, area codes, PG National. He'd been hitting stuff. nukes since eighth grade? Well, before that, too. You know, he, <laughs> he tore up – I'm sure he tore up 9U baseball, too. I heard I heard in T-ball they wouldn't let the man hit off the tee. No. Nah. I believe it. I just know his swing. His swing. I was watching it the other day, the videos, and I mean, I'm not trying to put him in the same wheelhouse as Griffey, but it sure does look a hell of a lot like it. Yeah, and he's had the same swing since he was, who knows how old, you know. It, when it ain't broke, don't fix it, and he he sure can hit. For sure, because he's got balls floating around in orbit that hadn't landed yet. They're just that are going through churches a mile yeah. down the road. For real. All right, if you want to know more about Anson, go on, go on over to IG, Anson.Arose, or go to Oregon Baseball on, on Instagram. You'll get highlight videos. You'll get pitching rotations. You'll get score updates. You'll get it all. Um, Anson, man, we wish, we wish you nothing but the best. Hopefully a healthy, happy, successful season, maybe bringing in a, a Pac-12 championship for the last time. And who knows, it might be – you know, regionals, super regionals, and we might get to see the Ducks in Omaha. What do you think about that? I'm sure we'd be happy with that. Let's get it going. For sure. So, Jello, Jello shots in Oregon's name, Daniel, is happening? Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll do one for that. There we go. That's my favorite color. I'll hit one up for that. Um, all right, man. It's been a great episode. I want to thank Anson for joining us. If you like hearing Anson's story or you just like hearing us average Joe's talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook, retweet us on Twitter, listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, thumbs up, hearts, hugs, loves. We will take it all and we'll see everybody. Man, I mean, I got to stop because this is a jam-packed week. We got an episode tomorrow night. We got DJ Primo, uh, LSU baseball. We've got Wednesday, we got Emma Malabayo, UCLA Gymnastics. We got Hawaii Baseball. Um, We've got Maddie Anderson, Mississippi State Soccer, all this week. I mean, Jim, I I don't – I'm just mind blown. You're getting guests left and right. We're filled up, like – Traveling the nation. Yeah, I mean, we're worldwide, East Coast, West Coast. We're even going to talk to Ty Atkins in Hawaii, man. It's crazy. But with all that being said – This has been the In Off the Bench podcast. As always, remember, strong body, sharp minds, grit and grind all the time. We are out.